A risk of reopening, many states seeing an increase of infections as the CDC issues a stark warning. Twitter versus Trump, the president threatens to shut down social media platforms after that company flagged two of his messages as potentially misleading. And history in the making, NASA and SpaceX prepare for launch, sending two U.S. astronauts to space from the U.S. for the first time in almost a decade. This is U News. Hello and welcome to U News. I'm Carolina Sarasa and thank you for being with us today. And we began today with the latest in the coronavirus pandemic. The number of fatalities in the U.S. now surpassing 99,000. All this as parts of the country are seeing increases in cases of the virus. Meantime, some governors are urging people to comply with social distancing rules and the CDC issues a warning. Lorraine Casares has more details. Long Island, New York, now entering phase one of reopening. Governor Andrew Cuomo announcing New York is seeing its lowest number of cases since the crisis began, focusing now on reopening the state's last region, New York City, identifying the zip codes that are generating the new COVID-19 cases. Those zip codes tend to be predominantly minority communities. Michigan is also moving forward cautiously. New coronavirus cases decreasing as the state begins to reopen businesses like retail stores. Us here in Michigan have made this sacrifice in vain and see our numbers start to rise again. We have to learn to live with this virus for the time being. That means masks and distancing and hand washing. A safety recommendation that at least some Republicans agree with. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine sending his residents this message. Love your fellow man and, and woman and that's what we're really doing. And I think that's the message that you're not wearing it so much for yourself uh, as you are wearing it for that person that you're going to come in contact with. In Georgia, one of the first states to roll back restrictions, it appears that new cases are mostly holding steady. Atlanta's mayor, who was against reopening too soon, says it's too early to be content. We're not quite out of the woods, but it does concern me that we are seeing people disregard social distancing guidelines. Meanwhile, in some areas of the country, the cases are growing, at least 14 states reporting increases. The CDC is warning antibody tests should not be a deciding factor on whether employees return to work, saying they could be inaccurate as much as half the time. This as giants like Google announces workers will be headed back to the office in July, limited to 10% of their capacity at first, increasing to 30% by September. And Apple says about 100 more Stores will be back up and running this week with limitations. In most of California, hair salons and barber shops can now open using new safety guidelines, including face coverings for staff and clients. But residents in Los Angeles and San Francisco will have to wait a little longer to use these services. In Miami, Lorraine Caceres, now back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. Now, President Trump met with Governor Andrew Cuomo today at the White House to discuss infrastructure. Cuomo wants the state of New York to partner with the government to tackle several projects. Those include a new Penn Station, a train connection to LaGuardia Airport, rebuilding train tunnels under the Hudson, and expanding the Second Avenue subway. Trump has expressed openness to infrastructure projects amid the pandemic. 
And now to the latest on the Trump and Joe Biden mask controversy. The president mocked the former VP for having one on in public, even though it is a step recommended by the CDC to help reduce the spread of the virus. Meanwhile, the future of the Republican National Convention remains in limbo. Andrea Linares reports. To wear or not wear a mask. That's the ongoing debate question between President Trump and Joe Biden. The president criticized Biden for wearing a mask outside. Now, Biden can wear a mask, but he was standing uh, outside with his wife, perfect conditions, perfect weather. They're inside, they don't wear masks. And so I thought it was very unusual that he had one on, but I thought that was fine. I wasn't criticizing him at all. Why would I ever do a thing like that? Biden on CNN firing right back. He's a fool. An absolute fool to talk that way. I mean, every leading doc in the world is saying we should wear a mask when you're in a crowd. Even the White House press secretary defending the president's comments about Biden. A bit peculiar, though, that in his basement right next to his wife, he's not wearing a mask, but he's wearing one outdoors when he's socially distant. So I think that there was a discrepancy there. Meanwhile, the president continues pushing to reopen the country and threatening to rip the Republican convention away from North Carolina, unless the state will allow a packed house. But Governor Roy Cooper unmoved. I will say that it's okay for political conventions to be political, but pandemic response cannot be. The president is blaming Governor Cooper, not the virus, for why the convention might not go on as planned. We have a governor that doesn't want to open up the state. And we have a date of August, in the end of August. And we have to know before we spend millions and millions of dollars on an arena to make it magnificent for the convention. But the governor says his decision will be guided by health and safety concerns. The Republican governors in Florida and Georgia are now offering up their states to host the Republican National Convention. However, the Democrats have pushed back on their convention. They're taking steps to allow virtual or socially distanced elements. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now to the latest on President Trump's fight with Twitter. The president blasting the social media platform for adding fact-check warnings to some of his tweets. Janet Rodriguez is live in Washington with the latest. Janet. That's right, Carolina, and he did so, of course, on Twitter, where he went on this morning and said that he would regulate or even close down the social media platform. Clean up your act, he warned to Twitter, and this was in a series of tweets in which he claims uh, that the platform is trying to interfere in the 2020 elections by taking that unprecedented move that it did yesterday of labeling one of the presidents, or actually two, it was a thread of two tweets of the president as possible Contain, as possibly containing misinformation. And that tweet had to do with voter fraud. The president in that tweet that was singled out by the platform claimed that uh, mailing ballots were substantially fraudulent, that mailboxes would be robbed and votes would be forged. Now, as Twitter points out, this is simply wrong. Many studies through the years have said that voting by mail is a secure way to exercise our right to vote and it does not increment electoral fraud. 
fraud. And now what Twitter has decided not to do is to silence the president when it comes to conspiracy theories, especially the president has been tweeting as of late, including today, regarding Joe Scarborough and possible and a possible crime that he says he might have committed. Now, authorities, what happened was that back in 2001, an aide to Joe Scarborough, then a former congressman for the Democratic Party and now a very avid critic of the president, one of his aides passed away in his office in Florida. She collapsed for natural causes, hit her head, passed away. The authorities uh, called it a simple accident and it cleared Scarborough of any wrongdoing. He was never accused of a crime. He was actually here in D.C. and not in Florida at the time of the incident. But the president has continued to tweet him, uh, continued to tweet that this case should be reopened, that it's a cold case, so much so that the widow of this woman who passed away called on Twitter directly on the CEO to take down those messages because he says that is simply the president is simply taking the memory of that lay woman for political gain. And Twitter has said that they will not take down those messages and the presidents continue to tweet on it. Back to you. Well, thank you, Janet, for the live report from Washington, D.C. And now revisions to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act or FISA are expected to come to a vote in the House today. National security officials are asking for more authority to check browser and internet search histories. While FISA is about preventing foreign espionage, many House members are concerned that it could be abused to spy on U.S. citizens. Some members of both parties worry of its impact on civil liberties. The Justice Department says it opposes the House proposed changes and will urge President Trump to veto the bill. Now, growing outrage in Minneapolis over the death of an African-American man at the hands of police. Demonstrators taken to the streets clashing with authorities. Rafael Rodriguez has the latest. Deploying more blast balls, moving the crowd. Hundreds of demonstrators taking to the streets, demanding justice for George Floyd, who died in police custody on Monday. Officers firing tear gas and non-lethal rounds. They are taken with projectiles and getting injured. The protests began as a peaceful demonstration with massive crowds blocking the intersection where this disturbing roughly 10-minute long video was recorded. That video showing Floyd's arrest and some of the final moments of his life. Floyd on the ground, handcuffed, begging for air as a white police officer digs his knee into Floyd's neck. After about five minutes, Floyd appears to lose consciousness. Seven minutes later, EMTs arrive, checking his pulse, the officer's knee still pinning Floyd down. According to police, Floyd was then taken to the hospital, where he later died. It's sadness. It's sadness because it didn't have to happen. Because all I had to do was just take his foot off his neck and it would have never happened. By Tuesday morning, the four officers involved in the arrest fired, the mayor of Minneapolis speaking out. Being black in America should not be a death sentence. This officer failed in the most basic human sense. The FBI joining the investigation into the incident. According to the Minneapolis Police Department, officers were initially called to the scene Monday on a report of a forgery in progress. The suspect appeared to be under the influence, police say. They encountered Floyd in his car and he physically resisted officers when they placed him in handcuffs. 
But in this security footage obtained by ABC News showing the moments leading up to the incident, Floyd does not appear to be struggling or resisting as officers walk him out of a vehicle, sit him down on the sidewalk, and more officers arrive to the scene. A few minutes later, two officers take Floyd across the street. Floyd's family is being represented by civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who called the incident, quote, an abusive, excessive use of force, and the firing of the officers, quote, a good first step. Speaking to CNN, his brothers say they're in anguish and want to see the officers face charges. They treated them worse than they treated animals. They took a life, now they deserve life. I don't feel sorry for them. They hurt me and they hurt my family. I can't take nothing back. I can't get my brother back. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. Thank you, Rafael, for that report. In other news, a private company, SpaceX, is just hours away from launching into the history books. For the first time in nearly a decade, a rocket could blast off from the U.S. with astronauts on board. Miriti Murungi has all the details. The first astronauts to launch into space from U.S. soil in nearly a decade are set to lift off. Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley. But before history is made, there's a wild card, the weather. This launch, not without risks. SpaceX has had several incidents with the Falcon 9 rocket. Here, it failed launching cargo. And here, it exploded on the launch pad during a test. But NASA and SpaceX say it is now ready for prime time. Carol Scott manages the rocket's launch. I already feel the butterflies. I can feel it <laughs> happening right now, right? And that's a good thing. It's just like any kind of performer, I think, that goes out on a stage or something. You know how you have the butterflies ahead of time? I got those butterflies, and that's good. NASA says the odds of a catastrophic failure are 1 in 270. That's actually better than the shuttle's odds years ago, which were 1 in 50, after the Challenger broke apart after launch and Columbia broke apart on re-entry. For this team, the risk is worth the reward. Jim Bridenstine is NASA's administrator, and he says Bankin and Hurley are ready. I asked him, you know, if there's anything you want me to do, if you want me to stop this, uh, I'm happy to do it. Um, and they said, no, we're, we're both go for launch. We're ready to go. Uh, both men are, are, are cool as cucumbers right now. The families of those astronauts will be watching the launch here in Cape Canaveral. Both Bankin and Hurley's wives are astronauts too. Hurley's wife, Karen, posting this photo of their son, arriving in Florida with a flyby of your dad's spaceship on the launch pad, priceless. And Bridenstine has a message for their children. Their dads are heroes, American heroes. Um, they're laying the foundation for a new era in human spaceflight. Mariti Morungi, U News. Tens of thousands of doctors and nurses have gotten sick from taking care of COVID-19 patients. That's according to a new report from the CDC. The agency says more than 62,000 healthcare professionals contracted the coronavirus in the U.S. That's a big jump from the previous number the agency had released in April, which was 9,200. At least 291 healthcare workers have died from this virus. And now new details involving the coronavirus and America's food supply. Almost 11,000 workers at some of the major meat processing plants are reportedly infected with coronavirus. That's according to a recent tally by the Washington Post. Now concerns are increasing in an industry that relies mostly on immigrants. Daniel Costa is with the Economic Policy Institute. Thank you, Daniel, for your time.
Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thank you, Daniel. 11,000 workers infected, that is a very high number. Are those companies looking to hire new workers? Well, they likely will have to, but it will depend on uh, whether or not the plants stay open. I mean, um, uh, I should say, if there is a labor shortage now, it's because, of, uh, it's because of a number of factors. One is pay is too low and the conditions are very difficult in those plants and have been for a long time. And now, of course, if the pandemic is taking place, there's been zero regulation or enforcement from the Labor Department. The Trump administration put out an executive order telling meat plants basically to keep to, to remain open. But they were really late on providing guidance on safety to the industry. And even after issuing that guidance, they made it clear that it wasn't mandatory and that they wouldn't do any enforcement around it. So if companies comply, they won't actually uh, have to worry about any sanctions or liability if they didn't behave appropriately in terms of their workers. Uh, and so the result, as you mentioned, is 11,000 infections. There's been at least 63 deaths that have been counted, and meat processing workers are making up a, a significant share of uh, coronavirus cases in some states, between a fifth and, and a third of all, all cases in some states. Wow. Now, President Trump recently restricted most immigration into the U.S. How are his policies impacting the hiring in this industry, do you believe? Sure. Well, uh, the, the industry is one where many immigrants uh, are employed. I mean, in, in 2019, according to census data, there was about a total of 300,000 workers in the, in the industry and about 41% of them were foreign born. And so it's almost half. And of those 41%, uh, 15% were natural uh, naturalized citizens. But then there's the other 26% who are not naturalized. And that includes people with green cards. Uh, including refugees, and in fact, meat processing uh, is one of the major industries where refugees are employed, uh, and then some workers with temporary visas. Um, as you know, the, the Trump administration has drastically reduced the number of uh, refugees coming into the country from over 100,000 down to 18,000 in, in this latest uh, iteration uh, for this year. Um, and of course, he's cut off a number of green cards uh, from people who were coming in from abroad, especially those uh, who were tied to family members in the United States. And so, um, uh, you know, that, that, that does reduce the number of workers, especially in terms of refugees who are going in into these into these occupations. There's also um, a new executive order that's uh, expected to be issued this week that's going to restrict uh, temporary workers, workers who come with uh, temporary work visas. And, um, and the main category where workers could go into meat processing is the H2B. Now, currently, most of these H2B temporary workers are in seafood processing. There's not a lot in meat processing, but uh, the meat processing industry has been trying for years to, uh, to get more of those workers to get into, into those industries. That's a concern because the H2B program has a lot of problems. Workers are often underpaid, mistreated. There's been lots of cases of human trafficking in that. And so, um, but, but there's going to be some new rules around that as well. So uh, immigration policy is definitely having an impact uh, on the industry. And on the overall picture, Daniel, what are conditions like for the workers at those sites right now? Um, in, the, in the plants, you mean? Yes. Uh, yeah, they're 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 very difficult. I mean, it's it's one of those jobs where it's it's hard to socially distance. I mean, part of uh, you know another thing about the rules in in, in these plants is that um, uh, the line speeds. You know, the 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 meat that gets processed and 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 uh, cut up and guts get taken out and all of that. It, it's moving quickly along the line, and there's workers uh, uh, standing next to each other closely. It's it's hard to uh, to socially distance. And um, uh, the, the Trump administration has made it 
uh, made the regulations more lax, which makes it harder to protect workers. And you know, I, you know, I've heard personal stories about what it's like in there uh, uh, for a long time. My uh, my mother used to work in a poultry plant. Uh, I have a couple of an aunt and uncle who worked in a poultry plant for decades. A uh, number of. Uh, uh, my neighbors growing up worked in poultry plants, so I've heard about what it's like. All of them have injuries to their hands. Um, it, you know, it's it, it's just it, it's it's not an easy job. Um, you know, despite the fact that it's it's paid, uh, it's paid the pay is so low. And many of them have to go to work because they need that money for their families. Thank you so much, Daniel Costa, for your time. You're from the Economic Policy Institute. Thank you so much. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. When Jack Rico wasn't playing ball on the patio at home or enjoying a video game good enough to challenge him, you would find him in the halls and classrooms at Fullerton's Community College, where he registered when he was only 11 years old. Two years later, he accomplished getting not one, but four associate degrees in history, social behavior, social science, and arts and human expression. I'm really proud of myself. Like, to this day, I still don't believe that I did it, you know? But I just, I'm really proud of myself. He did it all in two years, and as if that's not impressive enough, he even made the president's honors list with a perfect 4.0 GPA. He says he loves to study and finds it enjoyable. It's really fun. I, like, I didn't know at the beginning, but throughout the whole experience, it was really fun. His mother says that she and her husband began to notice Jack's genius at a very early age. So Jack's parents decided to homeschool him to try to maximize his academic abilities. When he was turning four, I asked him what he wanted for his fourth birthday, and he said he wanted to go see the White House. And I said, well, that's a big trip for a three-year-old. I said, um, so I'll take you if you learn all the presidents. I was really kidding, um, and a week later he came back and he said, Mom, I have to tell you something, and I said, what? And he goes, I already knew the presidents, but I learned the vice presidents. Does that count? <laughs> so I knew then, I was like, oh my goodness. I don't know, like I just, I look at the payoff, you know, like if I study hard and I do all my work, I know the payoff, like four A degrees, I can go on to transfer. So yeah, that always motivated me to, you know, do well. At 13, Jack says he's only at the beginning of his academic life and hasn't thought about what he wants to do when he grows up. So I'm 13 right now. I don't really have life figured out yet. So I'm still trying to explore what I want to do and what I love, my interests, so. That's a mature reflection from a kid who loves video games he plays when he's taking a break from his textbooks. Jack did talk to us about his immediate plans. He's not taking a summer break, and he says that he will begin a BA degree at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas starting next week. In Fullerton, California, I'm Salvador Duran, U News.
Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.